0: Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver
1: Commercial
0: Real
2: Estate Podcast. <laughs>
1: And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright.
2: And I'm your sometimes other host, Matt Scalina. And Corey, I got to say, the way that you introduce the show, it almost sounds like we're on NPR or the CBC.
1: Well, we have to. We have, like, to. We, we have, to, we have to raise the standards <laughs> here, right? Because the thing is, I listen to your guys' podcast, and you guys have raised the bar way up here. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep up. Yeah. I what? actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I sit in the mirror every morning, <laughs> and I- Open the show that way. And you go, and welcome back. I, I practice. I get the jawline going. You know, I watch Anchorman. to start saying some words before we go live so my jaw's ready to go so I can pronunciate and make sure I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllables when we're going.
2: <laughs> no, it, so- it sounds great. Who do we got on the show today before we get 10 minutes deep here?
1: So I think we, I think, well, they're going to experience this themselves when they listen to the episode, but we have your bromance.
2: This is right, yeah.
1: John Switzer- From impact commercial groups coming on, talking all about how owner occupiers or how business owners can become their own landlords. And a lot of people don't realize, as a business owner, if you have success in your business, you can actually almost borrow against that success to acquire your own real estate. And a lot of times, too, the the prices to own it versus leases isn't that far off.
2: Right. This is kind of an incredible talk with John. And you're right. We bonded over a variety of things. Bonded
1: was an understatement.
2: (laughs) We'll leave that for the <laughs> for, for the interview. But what really excited me and we don't talk about the numbers, but he has an example because they do these market evaluations. If yeah. you're leasing a space and you're a small business, what the numbers look like, you know, three, five, 10 years out yep. and a type of equity you can, you can acquire over that time and the security of totally. owning your own space. But the numbers are super, super attractive. So it's amazing how many small businesses are leasing a space and they just think it's impossible to buy. And it's so much easier than you think. Yeah, you'd be amazed. And even where we record this, the previous
1: tenant that occupied this space, it was an engineering firm. And they contacted us to actually look for a larger space to lease. And then we asked them, like, you know, have you guys thought about purchasing? And at that time, they almost kind of shunned it. Like, oh, we can't afford that. $2.7 million later, they bought a phenomenal industrial flex office space for their practice. And a lot of people don't realize the opportunities that exist as a business owner that you can actually acquire your own real estate. And John actually talks about some industries can actually get zero down. And when you sort of look at the numbers... That, I mean, hypothetically, if I'm paying $5,000 a month rent for my business, and of that $5,000, let's say $2,000 could go towards the principal payment of my mortgage, and let's say hypothetically the thing went up $1,000 a month in value, at the end of the year, that's $36,000 in increased value and principal paydown that I have gained as the landlord – that somebody else would.
2: Well, this makes me think of the late Bing Tom, the architect. And, you know, I think he was lamenting at the time the prices in Vancouver residential real estate where he said, I ran a very successful business and I made more money on my home than I did, you know, working for 30 years. And, and that seems hard to imagine, but uh, I guess I'd assume it's true. But in commercial real estate, it's the same thing, right? Like a lot of the time, you know, you can be working with a successful business but also be playing this real estate market and in a way in which you're added security. You totally. have a place 100%. to live or to work, sorry, and well, you don't have to rely on a landlord.
1: This is one thing that we see on the brokerage side. I think we alluded to this a little bit on our last episode when we had Jordan McDonald on was in the brokerage side of the business, we sell a lot of buildings that the actual business owner is the owner of the building that may be you know, unsuspectedly. And we hear a lot of stories where they, they made enough to live off and earn a good living running their business but they retired when they sold their building and i mean we see it all the time where guys are selling these industrial warehouses that they may have acquired 10 15 or 20 years ago for a fraction of the price that what they're worth today and they're selling them for 4 5 and 6 million dollars and i would I mean, I wouldn't go on record and say this, but I think you'd probably, you know, ask a lot of these business owners and they profited more off the sale of that building than they probably did over the years running their business. Right. Right. So the opportunity, John unpacks all that, lets everyone know how to do it. And it, the option is there for most business owners if they just sort of reach out.
2: Right. No, that it's, it's a great episode. What else do we have before we talk to John, Corey? You just detailed before we hit record here about 10 upcoming episodes. Yep. That- Sound incredible.
1: We we've been very fortunate that we get a lot of people that reach out and comment on the show, most of it good, you know, some of them maybe, some of them maybe not so good. But they all we a lot of great ideas. And one thing that we hear all the time about is, is we talk a little bit about Victoria or people hear a lot about Kelowna. And a lot of listeners have reached out and said, Hey, tell us more about these markets. So we're very excited to say we have some upcoming episodes. One coming up with Brian Pilbeam from Invictus Properties up in Kamloops. We're talking about an exciting
2: project up there. Kamloops to me is this market that we talk a lot about Victoria, and there's way more to dive into there. Yeah, we talk a lot about Kelowna. There's way more to dive into there. Kamloops is like the what would you say the Almost middle child,
1: the middle child that that isn't the scholar at school and the young guy that isn't doesn't excel in sports. Not, not kind a lot of, of
2: flash. They're kind of in but between. A great there. community.
1: So we have him on. It's amazing. Kamloops, like for for our listeners that don't know our sixth brokerage office that we have will be opening in Camloops in 2022 you know we're very excited about that we're very bullish on that market so we have Brian on to talk all about Kamloops and some amazing projects downtown. We have our team leader, Jeff Brown, who runs our Kelowna office for us, coming on, telling us all about Kelowna, which is just you know no secret now. It's an international investment city now. So we're going to talk all about that. Then we have our friend of the show.
2: Very good friend of the yeah, show. Yeah, very
1: good friend of the show, Byron Chard, uh, CEO of Chard Developments, coming on, talking about everything Victoria and some of their, their projects they've launched over the past few months and the, the massive massive success they've seen in Victoria. And he'll kind of probably compare that to some previous projects so we can kind of see about how the sales cycles are changing. And then we have Strand Development President, Mike Mackay coming on to talk about their acquisition of 80 acres, the old Langford Raceway in Langford, which they're bringing in a phenomenal master plan commercial project to that we're going to have him on talk all about Langford and why they're so bullish and how much money that is going into that community. So we got kind of a... Four part kind of around the province, around series. the province,
2: and then back to the city, right? Around, and then yeah, and then you got some other guests talking Vancouver and uh, downtown Vancouver. It's it's exciting, and and you know that rattling it off, Corey, just makes me think, man, you're well connected. Well, I I have to
1: e-transfer a lot of these people money before they answer my call, so it's not they're not picking up by choice. I think Jordan McDonald kind of keyed in on it last time, how he thought I was calling with a property, and then I sort of forced his hand really quickly to (laughs) come on a podcast. The old
2: bait and switch. (laughs) What else do we have? Uh, This podcast
1: is sponsored, isn't it, Corey? Sponsored, as always, by the Impact Commercial Group, with over 50 years of lending experience for all your commercial lending needs. Visit them at impactcommercial.ca. And we're going to cut to our talk with John Switzer of Impact Commercial, talking all about owner-occupier financing and how the tenant can be his landlord. My
2: brother from another mother. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Enjoy, guys. All right, we're here with John Switzer, partner of Impact Commercial Group, one of the industry's leading commercial mortgage brokerages. John, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great, guys. Thanks for the opportunity to chat about commercial mortgages.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for taking the time today, John. Uh, really excited to have you on the show.
1: So, John, so, so for our listeners who don't know uh, about yourself or even Impact Commercial, can you take a couple minutes and let us know more about who you are?
0: Sure, yeah. I got my start in the banking world as Many of my colleagues also did with a short stint at one of the, the international banks and actually moved on to the investment advisory realm for a number of years, about six and a half years, but more on the income side. So, cash management, it was actually for mining companies and municipalities primarily. So, for me, after that, the transition to mortgages was kind of seamless because they're they're sort of like a cousin to bonds. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my background.
1: One reason why we we really wanted to have you on was one of the biggest things that we get or emails that we get and requests that we get is from business owners wanting to find out more how to, can they become their own landlords or how can they leverage the revenue of their business to become a landlord in the commercial real estate thing, and and you've obviously become a specialist in this aspect. Can you maybe sort of start us off with what owner-occupier financing just looks like on the surface, maybe that versus maybe traditional commercial financing?
0: Yeah, so it's a great question. Often, one of the first questions I get from clients or referral partners is, what can this property debt service? Because people are traditionally thinking in terms of You know, rental income on an investment property. So, my first question is always is this for an investor or an owner occupier? Because it completely changes the model on our end. So, for an owner occupier, basically the market rents go out the window and the lenders are basing their risk assessment on the net income of the operating business. So you can see that if uh, you know market rents support a 50 percent mortgage, but the net operating income of the business supports, say 200 percent of the mortgage, the lenders are totally okay to take the leverage up much higher than conventional to you know 85, 90 percent, sometimes even higher, based on that corporate guarantee that they're they're going to have at the end of the day from the, uh, from the operator.
1: So for clarity there, they're looking more at the the business's ability and what the business can afford to pay versus maybe potentially what that space would rent to a, a third-party type tenant on an investment type thing from a purchaser.
0: You got it. The focus completely shifts to the business.
2: John, you're probably potentially, who you're talking to, this might skew the answer a little bit, but I'm just wondering, in your experience, do you have a lot of business owners renting who don't think they can afford a place? Like, it's just out out of the, their wheelhouse or out of the realm of the possible?
0: All the time. <laughs> people People get misconceptions constantly because often they'll walk into their, you know, big five bank and say, how much can I get financing for if we buy our, you know, the property that we're currently leasing or or a new property. And the banks are sometimes going to say 75% loan to value as your ceiling. You can, you know, go and buy whatever you want in a certain price range, knowing that you're going to be putting 25% down and people take that as, you know, the be all end all. It's it's the final answer. They need 25% down and they kind of start planning their lease because a lot of businesses that that's a big chunk of change that, you know, cuts into their operating capital. The reality is on any given day, we have access to five to six conventional lenders who can go well above that conventional ceiling of 75%. And, you know, we see 90% term sheets on kind of a a weekly basis from a handful of lenders.
1: And when you say 90%, you're referring to the, the mortgage amount versus the property price. So if I'm buying a property for a million bucks and you can give me a 90% loan to value, that's a $900,000 mortgage we can apply to the property.
2: You got it. Is there sort of a, you know, and obviously we would be telling anyone listening, hey, John's the guy to talk to here. Don't do your own back of the napkin type analysis to see if you might be one of these people John's talking about who potentially can be buying their space, but is there any kind of back of the napkin type analysis? Somebody, you know, listening in their car or or on the treadmill right now can do to figure out if they should potentially be getting in touch.
1: And just for our listeners there, wait till you're off the treadmill or stop driving before you start to calculate. (laughs) Should have, should have clarified. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So there is a, a really important ratio in commercial financing, uh, called the debt service coverage ratio. So, generally, with these types of high ratio owner occupier mortgages, there's an average debt service coverage ratio of about a 1.25. And what that simply means is, for every hundred thousand of mortgage payments, you have to have 125,000 of net cash flow from your business. And that can open up another, you know, can of worms a little bit where there's add backs that we can do. So if a company is currently paying $50,000 a year in basic rent to lease their space, and they're going to be purchasing a different property and moving their operation out of the lease into the you know beneficially owned property, we can add back that $50,000 of rent to what would be there to service the mortgage payment. So it might be a little convoluted, but... That's where we arrive at the net operating cash flow, and it can sometimes be quite a bit higher than the net income reported on the financial statements.
1: So with his 1.25% debt servicing ability, if I'm paying, let's just say for argument's sake, make the numbers real easy, $10,000 a month where I currently am in a lease, do I have to add sort of 25% over and above that? So the bank will say, hey, does this guy you know, net out? Twelve and a half thousand dollars a month to cover the ten thousand dollar mortgage payment. Potentially, is that how they look at it, or do they look at it on a bigger, broader scale than that?
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not so much related to the lease. The lease is just one piece of it. It's the net income reported on the income statement. So, you know, business owners are familiar with the term EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. That's basically what we're looking at. But we are also wanting to know the income taxes that they're paying, which gives us that final cash flow number that's there to debt service the mortgage. So to answer your question on the 10000 mortgage payment, yes, they're going to want to know that you have at least 12500 monthly in cash flow from the business to support that mortgage.
2: Can we talk a little bit about the benefits of owning your own space versus leasing in the commercial world?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing for us is it gives you a tremendous amount of control. So right now you've got tenants across the lower mainland being met with huge increases in their basic rent on a five-year renewal. So, you know, we've seen examples of 60% plus increases in that basic rent when the five-year renewal comes around, what this allows you to do is basically be able to project You know, almost to the dollar where your mortgage payments are going to be for the next 10-15 years, depending on interest rates. So it's it's gonna move around a little bit, but you have no idea where your lease payments are gonna be in 10 or 15 years. You know, you're you're completely flying blind with the mortgage. You know that actually over time your payments will decrease because every five years we can go out and find another mortgage with a 25-year amortization. So We're re-amortizing a smaller amount every five years. Your payments are actually going down.
1: And one thing I think to obviously throw in there as well is when you're paying someone else's mortgage as a tenant, that landlord is the beneficiary of any equity growth in that property. So let's if you make numbers real easy and say the property went up 5% a year in value over a 10-year period, not only are your payments going down through the mortgage payment, what you're paying, but you also could be the beneficiary of a 50% equity growth in that property. And one thing we see a lot of times in our business on the commercial side, there's a lot of times we're selling, you know, large scale assets for people where they're selling them for four five, sometimes $10 million. And these business owners acquired their property 20, 25 years ago. And they've, they come out right away and say, I made a good living through my business, but <laughs> I retired yeah. by selling my property. Yeah. And if they didn't take advantage of acquiring their own property when they did, that opportunity wouldn't be there to them. And so it's it's one thing, I think you know one of the biggest upsides in owning your own property is just the fact that you're the beneficiary of all that equity growth that's going to happen over the years.
0: in the long term, absolutely, you you see uh, you know we see business owners regularly who have made more wealth from their property than their business, and the business is sort of there to service the mortgage. and you get huge leverage from from real estate, even if property values are just going up with inflation if you're only putting 10% down into that purchase and you're making, you know, 30,000 in equity a year on a million dollar purchase, you can see how it's really going to add up over time plus you're paying down the mortgage so you've got it working from both sides, you know, mortgage paydown and equity growth all happening together.
2: Right. And yeah, that hedge against inflation. One thing that, you know, I work on the residential side and, you know, there's all sorts of risk factors with increasing costs that the landlord is required to pay. It seems even just thinking of the triple net kind of side of the resident or the commercial side, that it seems like even more of a no brainer to be your own landlord in the the commercial space because you're actually carrying all those uh, risk factors yourself as a tenant.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that applies a bit more to an investment property, because when you're the owner and the tenant, you're responsible for everything, but it could certainly apply down the road. And one of the things we see is, you know, a business owner creates a very successful business over 20 years, and they're able to sell the shares of the business. They have the the property in a separate holding company, so they can very easily... You know, sell the business, do a lease back, and all of a sudden their tenant is paying all those things you mentioned the the property tax, the utilities. sometimes in you know leases, today they're getting even more aggressive where the tenant's paying the management fees for the landlord. it's it's all, it's a completely triple net lease. So certainly you're in a, a much, much better position as a landlord, you know down the road when you're holding it as an investment.
2: Have you found that the market has changed since COVID and the lending environment, I should say, just to to be clear?
0: Certainly it changed drastically at the onset of COVID. I mean, things largely, the doors largely closed on retail hotels. You know, you couldn't even look at hotels because they were at 10% occupancy. However, it became clear really quickly that Landlords were collecting, you know, 95% plus of their rent from multifamily and industrial. And you had some interesting dynamics with, uh, you know, industrial properties that were suited to logistics, cold storage, the types of things that were critical during COVID actually started taking an upward turn and and becoming stronger. and, And that hasn't subsided. So, We do have a number of clients who are stronger than ever as a result of COVID. And I would say, you know, this year, retail has become a much more approachable subject for lenders because it's becoming clear that retail is being reimagined, repurposed in some cases. And I would also just say that, you know, the outdoor malls with sort of national tenants like big pharmacies and liquor store anchor tenants. They were pretty strong throughout because those were all, you know, places selling things that were necessities for people. So, yeah.
1: I like how you threw a a liquor store in there as a necessity during the the pandemic. (laughs) Speaks volumes, John.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not the only one.
1: (laughs) That kind of leads me to my next question. Is there an asset class, whether it be industrial, office, or retail that lenders are more keen on, I guess that probably takes out retail considering the landscape of the market right now. But traditionally, is there an asset class that they're more keen on lending to owner occupiers in, or is there an asset class that they're sort of less keen on lending to with owner occupiers taking space?
0: I mean, everybody's loving industrial. You've got all the fundamentals in place for a long runway here. You've got, you know, recently from a number of reports, it was shown that we've got less than 1% vacancy, Across the board in Metro Vancouver and close to zero in in some smaller centers. So, yeah, industrial you've got you've got no problem. All the lenders want it. There's not considered to be much risk on the horizon there. Um, you know, retail is all going to come down to consistency of cash flow. So as, as long as you've got consistent cash flow that you can justify on an ongoing basis and you've got strong covenants from the you know the individuals behind the companies, it's not that hard to get retail financing either these days. It was a lot tougher. As I mentioned last year, they were heavily scrutinizing any businesses that had relied on any of the government programs. So I know you guys have talked on previous episodes about the SECRA, that type of program. The lenders were sort of trying to normalize future earnings with those assumptions in place that there might be a a, you know continued hit to the financials but that's pretty much behind us now we've seen you know most strong businesses normalize pretty well here
1: if i start a business tomorrow and i have no financial history it's gonna be very challenging for me to get financing to acquire my own property what are kind of the secrets the lenders look for is it retained earnings on the balance sheet is it the number of years in business what is the sweet spot that that sort of business owners can kind of try to target or feel they fall into in order to qualify for these type of lending requirements.
0: Yeah, it's it's very difficult to get any kind of you know high ratio financing for a for a startup business. It's really it's it's not going to happen in a conventional sense. We might be able to go out to an alternative lender if you know business owner has a lot of equity. They'll take a bit of a risk, but what lenders generally want to see is two years of really strong cash flow that is debt servicing the mortgage amount we're looking for. They've retained earnings, you mentioned, is is a really important one. They don't want to see business owners, you know, bleeding the business dry, kind of where they're they're taking out big dividends every year and they're they're not really leaving any skin in the game. So that's absolutely an important one. I mean, cash flows by far the biggest, you know, and then they've got the, the typical financial ratios behind them. They want to see strong uh, debt to equity, current ratio. We don't need to get into economics 101 or financing 101, but uh, but they're certainly looking at all those things. And the last thing I would say is the, the personal guarantee does factor in. So, you know, they, they want to know that if things go sideways. They can basically call on the you know the individuals behind the business to backstop the mortgage. So we we don't need to see a huge amount of personal net worth, but you know I would say a general rule is kind of twenty five to forty percent of the mortgage amount in net worth is a pretty important aspect as well.
2: And if you're personally guaranteeing a, a commercial. A mortgage for your business, does that impact your personal lending ability at all?
0: Um, it can, but I would sort of say uh, we should chat offline. <laughs> 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 it really depends, you know, it doesn't show up on a credit report so or on your credit bureau. So, I mean, it's sort of, you, you can get away with it a, a little bit as long as you're showing strong cash flow I would say, speak to a residential mortgage broker because they know all the, the laws of the land on on that side and how to, you know, tell the story to the lenders. It, it's certainly right. doable.
2: No, and I genuinely, we often joke asking for a friend on the show and, I, and I'm not actually asking for myself. I was just thinking, you know, if I was a small, small business owner, you know, just the things I would be thinking about is, okay, if I buy my own space and I'm a, a guarantor on it, does that impact, you know, my boat purchase? I guess is. Don't, uh, don't worry,
1: John. Matt <laughs> held up a sign earlier. It said retained earnings question mark. I'm like, no, no, that's business talk, man. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I would
0: just say don't purchase your boat through your yeah. business. That's my my biggest advice. Leave the uh, Teslas and the boats off of the business financials because it's it's really gonna hurt you when you need to go out and buy a warehouse or a uh, or a retail space or an office for that but matter. Just
1: just. Asking for a friend at this point, if the if the car payments were in the business financials, that's why we call you to get the owner occupier financing just just in case. You, okay. you got
0: it. Okay. Yeah, we can always, we can look a lot, We can look at refinancing. There's there's always a way. There's always a way.
2: So a lot of people listening, John, are going to be, you know, in the residential space, owning their own homes and potentially other properties. Somebody out there might be wondering about difference in interest rates on a commercial purchase and where interest rates are going in your mind. Can you speak a little bit about interest rates?
0: Yeah. So as a general rule, in the current environment, you can you can kind of add 1%, I would say, on average. So, you know, if you feel average residential rates on any given day are 1.5%, you're gonna be in the in the mid twos for a commercial mortgage. I mean, that's even a little aggressive right now. Uh, I'd maybe say you're kind of starting in the high twos for commercial. And when you add the additional risk of an owner-occupier with you know, a business that needs to keep thriving to support the mortgage payments it adds a bit of a premium again. So we're kind of starting in the, you know, on average in the low 3% range for these 85% plus financing uh, situations.
1: Is there any type of business that lenders try to shy away from? Not that we want to, I mean, the guy, the the unfortunate poor soul there who has the flower shop, we don't want you to say, oh, they hate flower shops. (laughs) but is there a type of business that maybe they're, they're not as keen on kind of the owner occupying and I'm closing my eyes and crossing my fingers right now?
0: (laughs) 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 Well, we, we can start by saying they, they love financing real estate businesses because obviously the, you know, the, the borrowers know the business as well as anybody. So you'd be on the lower risk spectrum, the higher risk spectrum, you know, you might look at things like environmental concerns. So it gets pretty tricky or it can with gas stations. You know, historically, laundromats have been very, quote unquote, dirty businesses. They've changed a lot to be much more environmentally friendly today. But So environmental concerns can be an aspect, certainly. And then there's kind of the obvious ones. No one's going to want to end up in the paper, you know, related to a, a firearms company or, you know, Sometimes some lenders want to stay away from all that kind of stuff, tobacco. Certainly, cannabis is a still a very tricky landscape. You know that you could do a whole nother show on that, and maybe you will one day, but
1: we've got we've got it in the schedule already. so
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. So there's a lot of intricacies there that you could talk for for an hour about, and and it's still quite tricky,
1: John, as we come out of the pandemic here, and hopefully we get a lot of this behind us this year, I mean, has there been anything, you know, anything that's sort of changed the lending landscape from COVID that lenders are now going to work into their formulas moving forward? And I guess a follow-up to that is once they kind of figure out what the next 12 months looks like, does this path for owner-occupier financing become easier in the future? Because I, I believe at one point, maybe, you know, pre-COVID, I mean, there was maybe 100% financing available to certain types of businesses. Do you foresee that coming back or is that is that all pre-COVID stuff gone and the ninety is now the new hundred.
0: Yeah, I mean one of the biggest things that's been a result of COVID that I should have mentioned earlier is interest rates are way lower. So you know we we've shaved more than a more than one percent off of pre-COVID commercial interest rates easily. So what I do think is now is a really good time to be looking at it because it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that rates aren't going any lower. So With that in mind, it could actually get trickier to do financing for companies that are right on the fence if we get a couple interest rate hikes from the central bank and, you know, lenders also foresee future hikes coming they'll and raise rates more aggressively than the underlying forces driving those mortgage rates. So we could see, you know, rates 1% higher in a couple of years, which is going to make it harder for some guys. As far as the, you know, 100% financing, it's absolutely still available in the right circumstances, but it's not the norm. If you're looking at any sort of you know traditional manufacturing or more commercial business, um, you just have to have really really strong cash flow that everybody's comfortable is going to be maintained over the coming years. But there's other aspects where there's a professionals category at a lot of the lenders where if you're doctor, dentist, veterinarian then 100% financing can be quite common. It's always just important to know that all the lenders have very different parameters, different criteria. We could spend an hour talking about that as well. So, but it is, yeah, I mean, it is important to know that 100% financing is still on the table. It's possible down the road, it, it becomes even more prevalent like it, like it was before COVID. But hard to say on that
2: one. You know, maybe as a final question, John, I know you guys provide a complimentary lease versus buy analysis, and I've looked at some of the numbers and and based on this conversation, I mean, it seems like a no brainer for most relatively successful businesses to kind of think about buying the, the place or something similar to what they're leasing, right? Apart from say a business failing, what are the risks in your mind to owning your own space?
0: Um, I mean, honestly, I'm a little biased, but I, I think the risks of leasing in this market are much greater. Just with the certainty of where lease rates are headed, I think everybody agrees they're they're not going down. You know, the biggest risk I think you already mentioned is that the actual business runs into problems because you're looking at leverage levels that are much higher than what current market rents can support. So. If you were forced into a position where you had to bring a tenant in, you know, you might be looking at 50% of the property value as a mortgage that can be debt serviced by that rental income. And meanwhile, you finance 90% of the property, that would not be a good situation to be in. So I think the biggest risk is just, you know, the, the strength of the business. You have to be very confident that you can maintain a certain level of cash flow for the foreseeable future. Well, that's,
1: that's great advice, John. And we really appreciate having you on as we, uh, you know, sharing that with us. We have our MLG six pack, six lighthearted questions. We ask it so we get to kind of know you outside of the work. Do you got just a few more minutes to hang out with us?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So the MLG six pack is brought to you in part by McKinnis law group for all your commercial legal needs from commercial closings to commercial leases. Please visit them at mlglaw.ca. All right, John, I'll let Matt lead her off here.
2: First question for you John, favorite movie.
0: Favorite movie. I'm going to have to go with
2: True Romance. Ooh, interesting. You know what? I watched that probably within the last 6 months. I think it's on Netflix now. I hadn't seen that since the 90s. That is a great great <laughs> movie. And you know what I didn't realize I was quite a bit younger when I when I watched it the first time around but I didn't realize how that was basically a, a fantasy for Tarantino just making a movie where a really good looking girl falls in love with a comic book nerd, like kind of playing, he's Christian Slater, right? But that's a great movie. I digress, but good, very good valid, choice.
0: Very valid point. Literally every famous person at the time is in that movie. It's called massive roster but no love i feel
1: i should give you guys a minute here before i ask the next question Yeah, you guys gonna be okay is this is bromance blossoming here? yeah
2: yeah that's a great movie all right john
1: favorite vacation spot when you find some time
2: Ooh, favorite
0: vacation spot i really liked costa rica i went there with my then fiance now wife a number of years ago um i know i liked it a lot more than her so i don't know if i can drag her back there but uh I love it. Well, don't don't worry
1: here. You you and Matter seem like you guys are blossoming I, I as well. That could be available for you.
2: Are you available for a beer? Uh <laughs> no, I, I've also been to Costa Rica Maybe and that. I would second that. It's a great spot. Been there multiple times. <laughs> I'm about
1: ready to get up and let you just nice. The two of you guys can exchange numbers after. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right, John. Yeah. Uh, favorite quote or words to live by. And no matter
1: what you say, Matt's going to say,
0: oh, that's my favorite that too. Was exactly what at I this was going to say, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to give me a minute on this one. I should have been I should have been more prepared.
2: Well, you know what? I can fill this because I just heard a great one. Yeah. Uh, the time while you're thinking, John. So the, the quote I heard recently on another podcast that I thought was great was, cynics get to be right, optimists get to be rich. Oh, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one, eh? <laughs> that's, that's a good one.
1: <laughs>
0: That is good. That is good. You know what? I'll, I'll go I, was
1: gonna say, I'm totally I was going I was gonna to say, if John says, I love it, that's mine. I'm taking off the headphones and I'm walking downstairs.
0: <laughs> I, w- I would say cynics gets me right. Optimists get to be right. Perfect.
1: Just so you know, too, we're calling you from Matt's phone. So if you get a text from this number after asking you out for dinner, that's where it's coming from.
0: I'll, I'll be there, buddy. <laughs> Favorite
1: band or song?
0: I'll go with the band I've probably listened to the most over the years, which is
2: Led Zeppelin. Matt, I don't think we can be friends. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, of course, that's more of a
1: ninety-eight degrees type of guy.
2: <laughs> One go. book, John, you would recommend to anyone listening?
0: Uh, I don't do a lot of reading of books lately, and I know I'm not alone there. But I recently listened to a book called Little Giants, and it's about Really successful businesses over the last, say, hundred years that have chosen to stay very small, and I wanted to uh, to read that one because that basically mirrors our business. Where, you know, we know that we're never going to have more than ten or twelve guys. It's it's going to be a, a small shop, and lots of good insights in that one on thriving small. Businesses. What Would be an
1: example from that book. I find that really interesting. Yeah. What, what's, an, what's an what's an example they use in that book?
0: One of them was. I believe Anchor Brewing. Uh, I can't remember where they're out of. I think Colorado maybe, but really interesting one there because they got approached by the Vegas casinos saying they wanted it and a bunch of their casinos and they they shot it down because they knew it was it was going to take them off track. Wow. And then there was this little company in in the US as well that started making local sports trophies and ended up making Olympic medals for for every event. So uh, yeah, just some, some really interesting stories. Wow. In there.
1: Last question for you, John, what's a piece of advice you'd give our listeners? Maybe we'll tailor it towards you who are looking to, you know, might be a tenant themselves running a business that they want to buy their own real estate. What's the piece of advice you can give them?
0: Uh, I would, I would honestly say reach out to us for a complimentary buy versus lease analysis, which I, I should have spent a bit more time on that when Matt mentioned it, but we, you know, we can run it, 10 15 years into the future we can be super conservative and just show basically the difference between how much you're going to pay leasing for zero equity at the end of the day and how much you're going to pay over 15 years of mortgage payments and what your equity picture could look like at the end i think that that's a really powerful tool and you know there's never any obligation from anything we provide at at the beginning anyways it's just very conversational so we're happy to uh, to act as you know in an advisory role early on with no obligation.
1: Matt's thinking of what type of business he wants to start now, so he can just come see you for the uh, <laughs> lease versus sale analysis. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a shameless plug here because obviously we're big fans of what you guys do, and you guys have helped us grow our business and that stuff. And during the show, we said there what type of business owners have no idea the potential they can unlock. Well, William Ray Commercial were the opposite. We just go write offers, get deals accepted, and show up at John's door and said, hey, we owe this guy $2 million. Can you help us? And I can tell I can tell you firsthand, even even coming through COVID there, that obviously completely changed the lending landscape. Stuff that we had purchased pre-COVID for expansion. I mean, we were dealing with a very challenging lending environment. And John, Al, all the guys over there pulled through yet again for us and helped us to acquire more real estate during a very challenging time and continue to grow the business. So we, we appreciate what you guys do no end.
0: I appreciate that and yeah I'm never going to say there's always a way but if there is one we can we can generally get pretty creative and and find a way so um happy to talk to any of the listeners anytime.
2: Well that's a great segue John how can people find out more about what you're doing over at Impact Commercial and get in touch?
0: They can reach me directly at 604-992-3070. Or on uh, Instagram, you can check out my account at Vancouver Commercial Mortgages.
1: That's writing down your number and your, <laughs> and your handle right now.
2: <laughs> thanks so much for your time, John. That was a great conversation. Really appreciate it. John, thanks for joining us.
0: Honestly, anytime, guys. Appreciate the
2: time. Take care, John.
0: Hey you too. Bye-bye.
1: There you have it, everyone. Our interview with John Switzer of Impact Commercial Group. I'll be honest with you. I w- you know, towards the end of that interview, you guys BFFs. It was a little uncomfortable in the room here for me. You
2: know what? It's uh, John I felt like is- I needed to
1: step out and give you guys a minute. <laughs>
2: Very excited to talk to John. Very, very excited for sure. You know, one thing about that, in all seriousness, the thing that just strikes me about that conversation, two things. One is that how much easier it is to acquire commercial real estate as as a small business yep. owner. And two, the opportunity cost of not doing so. Yep. And, you know, you spend 25, 30 years. It makes me think of, you know, the guy who's been renting downtown for the last 30 years and could have bought real estate in Vancouver and how it would have changed his life on the residential side, you know, how the same thing really applies here in the commercial world and it's not as hard as you think.
1: Well, hypothetically, like say 50% of your your rent payment, let's say for this scenario, your rent's the same as a mortgage. Let's say 50% of that goes to pay down your principal. That's money you're putting right back in your own pocket. And I think it's fair to say over a very long period of time, property in Vancouver goes up. So even (laughs) if you run a number at say even a 5%, a modest 5% increase in the value of your property, Over a five-year period, you've gained 25% equity in your property through the increase in value, not to mention you've paid down a whack load of your mortgage, which is going right into your pocket, plus rents here go up all the time. Yeah. So five years from now, your mortgage, it could be slightly less because you've paid off so much principal, but if you look at what you would probably be paying in rent five years down the road, it would be dramatically higher than what you're paying today to acquire You're a locking in, and, so,
2: and the security of owning your own space. Yeah. I mean it. Yeah, I mean no brainer is. Uh, I don't think that says enough about how how much this makes sense. Uh, anyway, Corey, what else do we got before we uh, we cut for the day?
1: Well, we've got our, our project in Langford there over there that we talked about at the West Shore Business Park, which I think our numbers are are still growing. Seems like on a week to week basis over there. You that asset class, as we sort of alluded to on on the interview, is. You know, prime for owner occupiers. And that's exactly one of the asset classes that John's group thrives in financing.
2: Yeah, that is definitely a fantastic opportunity. And that was what John said, right? If yeah. they, they said, which type of commercial real estate do you look at and go, oh, this slam dunk industrial space? How can people find out more about that project and what you guys are doing over at William Wright Commercial?
1: They can always visit our website at williamwright.ca. They're always welcome to send me an email at, Corey at williamwright.ca. Or they're always welcome to call our Vancouver office at 604-428-5255 and they can let us know what they're looking for and we'll put them in touch with a broker at any of our offices throughout the province to make sure we can facilitate their needs.
2: Fantastic. And we should say, of course, the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast lives over at com, where we have the live wire with various residential and commercial opportunities week in, week out, one click away. The industrial space in Langford is on that list currently. There will be others upcoming. So head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up there. And you know, on our podcast, Corey, it's just struck me. We always talk about PCS, um, yeah. you know, the service in which you'll see MLS listings prior to them hitting MLS. You get sold prices, that type of thing. There is no equivalent in the commercial world because so many of these deals... Are off market.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the challenges with the commercial real estate industry as a whole. And that's why having a broker who's on the forefront, they're in the marketplace that you're looking to get into, is really important for stuff to pass you by. And, and one way they can do to try to get the latest listings and information from William Wright is go to our website at williamwright.ca. They can sign up for our newsletter there, and it's going to get you you know early access to listings and transactions and kind of all, everything that we're doing throughout the province. So, I mean, that's one way to try to curb it, but there's no one-stop there, shop, there unfortunately. No,
2: well, it, if I, I would say it's William Wright. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, you know, I would so say then, the one-stop shop's William Wright, yeah, to, be, to be honest yeah, with yeah, you. And I got to agree with you on I that. I got to say commercial real estate, it's more of a contact sport. You almost take, you got to be talking to people to, yep. as, as Jordan McDonald kind yep. of uh, put it last episode, you got to be talking to people to make the deals happen. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's I, it
1: for this week. But before we go, I have to say hi to my sons, Owen and Liam, because when I'm driving and I'm listening to the episodes sometimes, they always say, Dad, you're podcasting. You never say hi to us. So I'm saying hi to Owen and Liam, my five-year-old
2: and my three-year-old right now. Fantastic. Well, have a good week, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
0: Subscribe today.